Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. What is up, everybody? Episode 13 of One Man's Opinion, the podcast. It's sweeping the nation. Welcome it, everybody. Appreciate you all listening to the program. The reception has been very positive for the most part, which is unusual for any of my work. Usually there's uh, there's thoughts on both sides. And so far, a lot of positivity on the podcast. This is episode 13. Hopefully you're enjoying it. I am Jeff Manns. You could find my work over at fantasyguru.com, all things NFL draft, which we're going to be talking about today. Uh, EliteFantasy.com as well, EliteSportsBetting.com. You find my work over there with sports betting. Yes, we still have sports in play. Join our poker club. Join our horse racing content, picks, chat room, all of that, eSports, everything you need at those three sites. If you want a little discount route, EliteFantasy.com slash Mans, M-A-N-S. And you get yourself a little discount on that for uh, any of the services that we bring forth at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter, the Jeff man's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And of course my new favorite TikTok. If you are like myself and if you're listening 13 episodes and you probably are similar to me in some way capacity, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you are like me, but uh, you are sick of the negativity. Twitter has become Facebook has become politically charged racially charged, socially charged, everything just, it's just, it's become a mess and it's hard to ignore lately on other social media outlets. That's why I love TikTok. It's all just positive. Just people trying to do things for laughs and you're either laughing with people or you're laughing at people. It's pretty easy and you just don't get all the other nonsense. So uh, I strongly, strongly recommend it. The Jeff Mans on TikTok over there as well. Today, we are doing a full NFL draft preview. Now, my original plan for this was to go ahead and break it up individually. Talk about you know 45 minutes to an hour on every position and everything else. And I started that with episode 12 where I went into quarterbacks. But we're just running out of time. It's just I, I did a huge research project over at fantasyguru.com, something that I entitled the NFL Draft 2015 through 2019. And it basically took the last five years of the NFL Draft, broke it down by team, who each team is relying on, who is ultimately in charge for each team's picks. You know, we know the coaches, we know the players. We don't pay attention to general managers, player personnel directors, owners nearly as much as we should because ultimately those are the ones deciding who is brought into the team and and into the organization and who is not so I researched all that and went over which teams choose which positions the most I went through uh, you know how many quarterbacks each team chose over the last five years which rounds they chose him uh, how many overall picks each organization has had that's something that fluctuates great wildly and one of the most obvious signs of that is the new england patriots new england patriots have had 43 picks over the last five years and while that is only just outside the top 10 for the 
entire NFL. Don't forget one season, they only had three picks. It's 2017 because they lost. They didn't have a first, a second, or a fifth round pick in that one. So I think they had four picks that year. You compare that to the rest of the division uh, over five years, Jets have had 35, Bills have had 35, Dolphins had 36 draft picks. The Patriots rebuild and restock their shelves via the draft. I think it's pretty obvious. So, anyway, I did this huge research project. I appreciate it if you guys would go check it out over at fantasyguru.com. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, I did how many draft picks they allocate to offense versus defense, all this, everything you need is there. Um, but that's what took a long time, took a lot longer. And I kept expanding it and, and branching out and everything else. And, ultimately uh, I'm going to have to just throw everything into this podcast for the NFL draft, but you know, we'll just make it a long one and we'll make sure we get to every point for you guys out there as well. We do. I'm recording this uh, on Tuesday afternoon, the 21st of April. So things could always change with There's going to change because there's going to be trades. There's going to be acquisitions, different things will happen around the NFL this week. And one of them literally just happened as I sat down to record this. Rob Gronkowski has been traded, right? He's retired. I thought, well, yeah, he was traded along with a seventh round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in exchange for a fourth round pick. So ultimately the Patriots get a fourth rounder out of the deal and they send the rights to Rob Gronkowski to Tampa Bay and um, all signs suggesting right now that Rob Gronkowski is indeed going to play football in 2020, reunite himself with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Interesting, interesting move. Um, For one, I really wish these two teams would play each other. I think that would have been amazing in 2020. They are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are scheduled to visit Foxborough in 2021 next year, but uh, Gronk and Brady holding out till then. I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that maybe they play each other in the Super Bowl. We shall see. But you know, my reaction is this: I'm not going to go too crazy about it. We have to remember, it's just like processing the draft results, and we'll we'll do podcasts. I'm hoping to get some of our guys over at Fantasy Guru, like Tyler Beaker, Armando Marsal, Russell Clay on to this podcast to talk some football with me hopefully uh, after the draft to recap it a little bit but we get excited about a player and we like a player but from a fantasy standpoint from a betting standpoint just because we like that player doesn't mean we have to be bullish on them for either fantasy or their player props or yardage totals and and things like that and also doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be better are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to be better in 2020 than they were in 2019? Well, I mean, you take a look at it right now, and what'd you do? What'd you bring in? Tom Brady, and now supposedly, assuming this all goes according to plan, Rob Gronkowski. Okay, those are great players previously. This was a 7-9 and nine club, though. How many more touchdowns is Brady going to throw than Jameis Winston? The answer is probably not many more, but he will throw a lot less interceptions. The team should be a little bit better. 
don't forget, we're getting a 42-year-old quarterback with no downfield arm strength whatsoever. You now have Rob Gronkowski, who is con- – why did he retire in the first place? He's constantly injured. The guy cannot stay healthy. Now he's another year older. He's got to put on his body. He just had a tremendous weight loss in the offseason. You saw him at WrestleMania just a couple weeks ago. And now you're going to ask him to put all that weight back on and ask his body to hold up throughout a training camp in a 17-week NFL season plus playoffs? I don't know. Oh, let's also factor in what kind of impact does the tight end play in Bruce Arians' system? Well, maybe Tom Brady's going to transform that system a bit. He does have what I'm being told is complete autonomy of the offense. It's still going to be Earhart Perkins. It's still different than what Brady is accustomed to playing. But he'll have more control of the offense. Maybe that does mean more for Gronk than a normal Bruce Arians team. But what about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? How does this help them? Nobody's talking about that yet. And I think it's really detrimental. Really detrimental. Mike Evans is sinking like a stone. I'm a Mike Evans fan. I, I had him. I actually talked about on the radio on Sirius XM today about I still think he is a franchise-type wide receiver just because he's produced with, without Winston. Um, he's produced in different offenses with Cutter and Bruce Arians. I think he's just a better talent. And uh, But with Tom Brady and Brady running this offense, it's going to, you know, they're going to need their Julian Edelman, which maybe that's Chris Godwin. So maybe Godwin still is just going to be a PPR machine. Okay, great. And then Gronk will give him a weapon here and there. And Mike Evans is an occasional downfield threat whenever they can go down there or a red zone weapon. There's just not going to be a lot to go around. Okay. And then Tampa Bay, we'll see what they do in the draft, but they need to improve that secondary. The defensive line, bringing back the Domicon Sue is huge. Having him and V to VA stop the run. They're able to do that. But you're gonna have they're gonna have to get better in the secondary and rapidly better. And I don't know if they're ready to do that. We'll see what they do in the draft. But this team is not a contender right now. Not yet. Brady and Gronk are great for their legacy, but you don't get legacy points in the NFL and especially in fantasy football. So from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not that excited about it. I'm really not. Personally, I like Tampa Bay's offense with Jameis Winston more. Why? Well, if you stay away from Winston and, you know, he's throwing interceptions and pick sixes and you have a terrible secondary, what does that mean? That means they're going to have to score that many more points. You know, the, the Tampa Bay scored the exact same number of points as the New Orleans Saints a year ago, right? I mean, they scored the exact same amount as the Saints, and I believe it was second in all of football. Obviously, we know that the Baltimore Ravens scored, like, what, five-something, over 500 points. But, yeah, the yeah, I'm looking at it now. Tampa Bay, 458. Kansas City Chiefs, 451. So this team already scored a ton of points. From I'm just talking from a fantasy standpoint. Buccaneers fans are cursing at me right now because you're excited and rightfully so. Maybe your team's a lot better. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think this, these moves do much of anything. So that is that. That's my instant take on Gronkowski and Brady. We'll see how it all fits there as well. I want to dive in, though, because I do want to talk a lot of NFL draft with you guys today. And 
on episode 12, I gave my quarterback rankings and um, I went all in on that and sort of talked about each and every player. I'm not going to be able to get to as many players or as deep as I did before. I do want to announce, though, a very exciting project that we're doing for the NFL draft come Thursday and Friday over at our free site. So if you're one of the people that haven't joined us at fantasyguru.com, Fantasy Guru, for the most part, is a paid service. It's a relatively cheap for the full season. You can do football, baseball, whatever you choose. And we have tons of content, more podcasts, everything over there. We have a free site as part of our Elite Sports Network called FanLink Sports. F-A-N-L-I-N-K-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. FanLink is an opportunity for all, everybody, anybody can go there. And I think you have to, yeah, you have to create an account. Just give your email and password. And then you are able to write content for the site. It goes through an editor. It makes sure you're not saying something ridiculous, religion, politics, craziness. But your sports takes, we do have a make it move tournament going on there with all hot chicks and stuff as well. Um, Our guy Duke is doing that. But so it's a totally free site and in, you know, nice little forum for people to go and get to express themselves, to talk sports and and the like. We have decided for this year, due to the COVID-19 virus and everything else, to move our regular NFL draft live stream in front of the paywall. We're going to do that on fanlinksports.com this year. And even furthermore, I'm super excited to announce that hosting that, show on Thursday for three hours from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern time will be one of my favorite people in the business, favorite people in the world, and pound for, I think pound for pound the best host of anything sports related, and that's Mike Dempsey, um, who does you may have heard on Sirius XM, part of the Football Diehard show. He has done the NFL draft coverage with me for, I think we've done seven, eight years running now on Sirius XM. This year, no Sirius XM for me. And I think Dempsey is doing some stuff, but he's going to join us and our people on a free live stream Thursday at FanLink Sports at 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'm so excited. We've got Armando Marsal, Russell Clay, and Tyler Beaker joining us as well. So it'll be the five of us hanging out, talking, breaking down every single pick, trades, reacting, you know, giving instant projections and analysis. It's going to be just a terrific time. We'll have full coverage on on Friday as well um, with me leading that charge also. So um, I will be part of the broadcast Thursday too, but I'm excited about that. So uh, fanlinksports.com is the place to go. Let's get into the running backs. And you can find my Top 10s at every position over at fantasyguru.com. We have our consensus NFL prospect rankings over there. So I'll whip through some of these because I want to get to um, at least the entire offensive side of the football, if not uh, get into some defense today as well. What I'll do, you know, what I'm going to do is I'll break down every position, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive tackles and guards, and then I'll give you – I'm just going to stick to the offense on this show. Okay, I'll give you some thoughts on some of my favorite edge rushers and corners and stuff like that. But And then I'll give you my ranking of the offensive players and how 
impactful I think each guy will be and how important each guy is going to be. So that's what we'll do. Running back, my number one off the board, um, I believe will be the first running back taken. It's not a slam dunk by any stretch. It was a couple weeks ago. Is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Nothing special. I don't have any massive insight to Jonathan Taylor as opposed to some of these other guys, other than he is the surest thing on the board. University of Wisconsin guy, uh, grew up in Jersey, strong, ran a 4.3940, good hands, was a workhorse in college as well. He is just that that guy that, um, you know, he's just a workhorse. He's an NFL back, right? He Nothing he doesn't do well. Now, I will say, if there's any negatives on Jonathan Taylor, it's that he doesn't do anything amazing either. He doesn't necessarily – he doesn't have any moves. You know, sometimes you like to see a, a guy with a jump cut or a stiff arm or a spin move, you know, something that uh, – a finishing move, if you will. And he doesn't really have that. He's not fast enough just to bend the edge all the time, although the four three nine speed was definitely pretty much a surprise. I expected – I expected something probably four four range, but four three nine very impressive. Um, can catch the ball, but did drop a bunch of passes at the University of Wisconsin. Still can be a three-down back. And uh, and then also is a strong in-between-the-tackles runner, but not a, not a guy who's going to move the pile necessarily. So, you know, I think Taylor's very good. He, he just, for a team that is in desperate need of a running back and a lead back, you know, think of, uh, I would say the Miami Dolphins, but the Dolphins go out inside Jordan Howard. I don't, th- I don't think he's that much different. He's faster, but how much faster? Not a ton than what they got in Jordan Howard. So, you know, you look for the best fit for Jonathan Taylor and, well, maybe the Atlanta Falcons at 16, they get Todd Gurley, but only on a one-year contract there maybe Miami does uh, goes with them and with their second first round pick at 18 overall Jacksonville if they end up unloading Leonard Fournette um, there's some fits there in the later ends of that first round uh, that that may make sense for Jonathan Taylor New England at 23 though I doubt it with Sony Michelle already there um, but they are going to go to a more run heavy offense that is for sure in new England. So, I mean, there's some opportunities for Jonathan Taylor in the draft, but he's my number one guy. He's just, if you need a bell cow, if he goes to a spot where they need a running back, you know what? I'm looking at all these teams. Miami's the team needs a running back the most. And I, maybe the, their 26th overall pick. Yeah, that definitely could be. If Fournette has gone from Jacksonville, there's obviously a big-time need there. Atlanta will have a need as well. Tampa Bay has a need at 14, you know, as they look to improve. But I, I kind of feel they want a better pass-catching back. And I got some names for you coming up there as well. So I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do. The Chargers need one. Maybe the second round at 37 overall is where – uh, Jonathan Taylor fits the best for fantasy purposes, but I, I do anticipate him being the first one off the board. Number two running back for me is Cam Akers of Florida State. If you listen to this podcast, if you listen to this show, if you go to fantasyguru.com, you know I love the dude. Cam Akers 
is a special running back. And I want you all to remember this for posterity. I want you to remember that people, there were people out there that didn't see it coming, which is surprising to me. 447, 40 yard dash, uh, 35 vertical, 20 on the bench press, tough, strong. You know, he has the element of being a small, like, like a third down back. And Cam Akers is being portrayed as a third down back because he's a great, not good, great, they're great pass catcher. He's not. He's 5'10", 217. He's the absolute perfect size. If you see him in person, or his underpants or with pads on, either way, he is the chiseled diagram of what an NFL running back should be. Okay? And uh, he can get, he's got speed for, what are you in, 447, as I said? Um, get to the outside. He, he's got the side-to-side quickness as well. He has got strength to move the pile. I think he's every bit as strong as Jonathan Taylor. I think he's every bit as fast as Jonathan Taylor. I think he catches the ball way better than Jonathan Taylor. I, I think Taylor's got more polish, and we've seen more from him, which is why I have him ahead of Akers. But I'm telling you, for where Akers is going to go, to where Taylor's going to go, or even DeAndre Swift, Edwards Hilaire, all these guys, I'll give Cam Akers all day. I'll take it all day. He's a true three-down back. Just runs compact. He's one of those guys that you think he's smaller because he just hunches over. Um, great ball security, you know the whole thing. He's just got. He's a guy that was a, na- a top five national recruit at the position. Went to Florida State and got forgotten about because the offense line and off and the whole team ended up sucking. Right, but he's a guy who can get to the second and third level of a defense uh, as well. So. I love Cam Akers. He's two for me. DeAndre Swift is third. I like DeAndre Swift, but I, I am a just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit worried about Georgia running backs. Todd Gurley's been amazing. Nick Chubb's been amazing. Um, Swift measured out smaller than we thought. Now, you, if you watch DeAndre Swift play and you watch Cam Akers play, you would swear, as I did, that Swift was a bigger Swift was 5'10, 220, and Akers was 5'8, 210. That's the opposite, actually. Uh, you know, whereas Swift was a lot smaller than you thought he was, and only measured out just over 5'8. Just surprising. 210 pounds for him as well. Um, I like him. He's got the good fluidity in his hips. I mean, he could make multiple cuts anytime you want. Uh, I saw a lot of good tape on him. The one of the problems with his tape, at least, is that he his biggest runs are just wide open lanes. That offensive line of Georgia was just dynamic, as it's been for years, and led by Andrew Thomas, who could be a first round pick, right? In this this class, Georgia just bowled people over. Their run blocking was exceptional, and I'm not a thousand percent sure that DeAndre Swift himself is exceptional. If he were to go to a bad team and not with a, a poor offensive line or you know, a good team with a bad offensive line, I don't know if he can be that kind of impact player that we hoped he would be, that we thought we'd get um, 
when he's at the University of Georgia. So that's where I'm at with DeAndre Swift. Like him, for sure. Um, but just unspectacular, I suppose, in and of when you you got to separate the amount of the room he has to run from what he does alone. I like his footwork a lot. I think he's a guy who could play in a zone, an outside zone, inside zone scheme and be very, and be totally fine. He could, he could run in any system you get. So that's a very, that's a big positive because the rest of these guys on the list desperately need the right fit. Um, so I've Swift third, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, LSU as my, what is he? Number four on my board as well. I, I like the pass catch ability. I like the home run hitter ability. Um, undersized another guy who's smaller this is the first guy on my board that you think okay probably going to be a role player in the league okay and here's one of the things those who have followed my work for a long period of time with projections and rankings and all that you you guys know I was very slow I've been very slow to come around on the one-dimensional talent front I normally give a very, very substantial upgrade to full and well-rounded players, both coming into the league in the draft scenario and in fantasy too. I just want to have more outs. It's like if you're playing poker and having suited connectors. You know, you, you, get, you can get top pair, you can get straights and flushes. There's a lot of different ways to win the hand. I like that out of my fantasy team. I, I want... Running backs, one of the things where I loved Derrick Henry last year because he was a fifth-round pick. I'm not going to like him in the first round this year because he doesn't catch passes. He And you know, you're getting an older running back with a lot of wear and tear and very touchdown dependent. I don't want to have to depend on one thing. That's not good. So, But I've been better in that as long as you can build your team appropriately – and you utilize these guys, the pass catching running backs, the PPR running backs, as they say. If you manage them properly, there's definitely a space. And I've been more liberal towards ranking them higher on my list than Edward Solaire, I think, is the guy. Normally, Edward Solaire is a guy, if I was building a team, I wouldn't necessarily gravitate toward. He's just undersized. He can catch football. He can take it to the house. Okay, that's not even no-brainer. I think ideally kickoff returner, right? That that's where that's where I would want to. Uh, that's where I'd want him to be. You know what I mean? So uh, not an interior guy whatsoever. Not a break tackle guy. It was barely a break tackle guy in college. NFL with that frame, five seven, two o five. Nah, nah. Uh, I'm not. I don't like it that much. He's a, he's a third down back. A good one, a good one. If he gets in this uh, in the right situation, again, this is a guy. If he goes to Tampa Bay, he could be James White. He might be better than James. He's better than James White, probably. So if he goes to the right system, that's wonderful. If he goes to somewhere where they have a reg, you know, a, a early down running back and a more three down three down talent, he's just going to be a role player, and that's not going to be that good. Uh, Darrington Evans is my number five. I love this kid, Appalachian State. Um, another situation in which I have 
I used to penalize players a lot more for going to smaller schools, but a school like Appalachian State, they have played a very tough schedule in the last few years. You know, and they've they've done a good job recruiting like the underrated, under you know, the three star athlete, three star players, landing some of those guys. You know, Darrington Evans was the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year. He was he ran for fourteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns, six almost six. It was a five point eight yards per carry. Um, just really good and always producing whether it's in the running game on the ground getting into the end zone catching passes can do pretty much everything you want and i'm a big fan of him i, I love the tape that i saw i didn't think that abolition state was just running over people and they had good blocking and at times yeah a lot of it's high sort of when you're watching highlights i told you guys last time you have to be careful i don't want to see 60 70 yard runs that's boring I want to see a five-yard run, six, eight-yard run, nine-yard run. That's what I want to see because I want to see this guy run through arm tackles. I want to see what he does when his hips and or shoulders are knocked to the side and they're, you know, they're going east-west instead of north-south. But, man, hip movement, leg movement, soft feet, love everything about Darrington Evans. And uh, I'm telling you, I think this is a kid – who can be a three-down back? He's 5'10", measured up 5'10", which is surprising. Uh, 205 pounds, little light, gives him that home run hitter speed, though. You know? But uh, this is – he won't be going till the later rounds. You'll see several of these other guys go before him. But pay attention to where Darrington Evans goes because I think their teams, they saw what I saw. And this this happens every year with me, folks. You may laugh, but then Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Marquise Colston and, uh, you know, Dak Prescott and all these guys end up getting drafted and, you know, varying degrees of success in the NFL, but they, they go from late-round projects to being drafted ahead of time because somebody fell in love with the same exact tape that I did. And Darrington Evans is that guy at the running back spot for me. Well, Cam Akers, obviously. But I love Darrington Evans uh, a lot. I have J.K. Dobbins six. This is a tough one because our crew at Fantasy Guru really likes uh, Dobbins. And my guy, Ted Schuster, uh, likes Dobbins as well. I don't know what it is about him that I don't really love. I just I kind of feel he's just slow. Right, just doesn't doesn't ramp up quick enough, I guess. You know what I mean? And whereas I, I could I have evidence that Jonathan Taylor can get to the edge and, and get around it, I've got really nothing on Dobbins to do that. You know, I don't he doesn't stop and start very well. If a lane is blocked, you know, he'll just run into the pile and then I don't think he's got enough to really move the pile either. You know, stronger run is strong. He's 23 in the bench press, but and you know, very fit. It looks strong. Doesn't run as strong though. You know, so I, I I don't know. I am not. I wasn't as impressed with Dobbins as everybody else seems to be. I think the thing that really throws me off, and it's the start and stop ability, I suppose, is what ranks him just below 
Edwards Hilaire, Darrington Evans, DeAndre Swift. There's not a big difference between DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins for me. There's not a big deal there. Uh, like, for where they're going to go in similar spots, for sure, I would just wait and go Darrington Evans. That's where it's all about game theory and uh, getting the best player for your spot at the right position, right? So Dobbins at six, Zach Moss of Utah, another player that, that I like, I probably like him more was uh, what three year starter um, at, at Utah. Um, you know, he, he's a big guy that's fast and this guy's got edge speed despite being five ten two twenty five. Okay. So, I mean, he can get to, he get to the edge. He's a lot faster than you would think given his size. But uh, like Zach Moss, uh, Josh Kelly from UCLA is eighth. Josh Kelly is a player that I've liked for a long time that for whatever reason uh, just never didn't have the success at UCLA that we thought he was going to be. This is a, He was a top-level recruit too. I feel like I've been doing reports, prospect reports on Josh Kelly for 15 years. Like that's how long he's kind of been around or been, I've been aware of him. He's one of those guys that we knew he was going to be a, um, a big time running back. We knew that he was going to be something at, at the uh, college level. We thought he would be a lot better at the college level. He's a bigger guy, 5'11", 212 is what he measured out here, but can catch the football. Ran a 4'49", which I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, and his pure athletic ability because uh, the tape at UCLA didn't, didn't show a ton, right? And didn't have a lot of moves. Didn't have a lot of moves. Didn't have a lot of uh, missed tackles, generated low amount of missed tackles at UCLA, but runs through those arm tackles, can run through and around guys enough. Always squaring up too, which I love to see. Even when he's getting to the those edges, he is getting those shoulders square and picking up yards after the contact. Or going, you know, falling into the tackle, which is something I think is so underappreciated by talent evaluators, is that you see it. You see it a lot on Sundays at the NFL level. And when you get these running backs that they're there's nothing there and they got to figure out a way. How do they get three yards when, you know, minus one is very much in, they're getting hit behind at or behind the line of scrimmage. You could be driven back or, but the better running backs are like, they, they're slick. And Priest Holmes was like this. Le'Veon Bell's very much like this where they just are like a snake and sneak through little gaps and pick up yards falling down. The defense is fine because they stopped him, But instead of a, loss or no gain on the play they're getting two two and a half three yards and that's what josh kelly seems to be another guy is going to go super late here as well uh he is number eight mike warren i talked about him on sirius xm one of my favorite late round running backs so uh, you, you may notice not a lot i have uh clyde edwards hilaire and I, uh, and that's about, I guess that's not about it as far as the, uh, and yeah, as far as like one dimensional players are concerned, Zach Moss is a uh, smaller guy, but still very, very strong. 
Um, I guess Moss is comparable to Mike Warren. Mike Warren is the guy that if you were casting a movie, Longest Yard remake or whatever, and you just needed the running back, who's going to play the running back? Mike Warren, big shoulders, strong, stout, thick legs, um, durable. Ball doesn't come out of his hands. Natural runner. Yards after contact can create on his own. Does not have speed. His speed is going to disappoint many, many people. But there's enough speed here. He's just a guy who's had a ton of got a ton of work at the University of Cincinnati. All right, and he did a lot with it. Was very productive there as well. So I I, I like Mike Warren a lot. I think he in the right system. Let, let's say you put him in Dallas with behind that offensive line, even without Travis Frederick, that's a guy who's a you know, 1200 yard rusher, Mike Warren in year one. That's, that's how good he is. All right. And um, he's labeled as an interior guy. He's labeled as he, he, uh, between the tackles runner, but he can do more. He can catch the football, right? Um, he can get to the edge. He doesn't, have closing ability on the edge, but can make it can cut very well and very quickly as well. Decent, I'd say, lateral ability. Uh, and you know, doesn't fumble the football, catches the football well. Um, did not see a lot in pass protection with, with him at all. They Cincinnati would bring him off the field at times. I, I saw a lot of him as a pass catcher. I saw enough that says he can catch the ball. He can catch the ball, but they, they did use a third down back there at times. Um, so pass protection is, I have it as a question mark there as well. And my number 10 running back is Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt. Yeah, another one of those guys that uh, I'll be very curious on where Keyshawn Vaughn ends up going because uh, how many people watch this kid at Vanderbilt? I know I didn't during the regular season, 5'10", 215, just a prototype. Another kid who looks the part. Ran a four-five-one, had a thirty-two-inch vertical, but uh, he was Mister Football in Tennessee, Gatorade Player of the Year back in twenty fourteen, and went to the University of Illinois. You know, and led them in yards. So they, you know, what two two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, just eventually. Uh, went out, did not like the coaching changes, did not fit in with uh, um, Lovey Smith in the fighting Illini, went back to his home state and went to Vanderbilt and, um, you know, did had a very, very productive three seasons at Vanderbilt, uh, 17, 18, and 19. I mean, it's a dude who averaged 7.9 uh, yards per carry. You know what I mean? I mean, he's pretty damn good. And um, I, I think you know, getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. He breaks tackles well for a guy um, that isn't – he's not Mike Warren-esque. He's not uh, Zach Moss-esque. He's not Jonathan Taylor. He's not built quite like that. Good build, but just is always shaking off tacklers. Just always shaking off tacklers. He is he seems to have a nose for the end zone, one of those runners – that caught a couple touchdowns, you would always be able to, you saw him leaping in at times. He just doesn't finish a play off anywhere in the red zone without getting 
to that goal line. Just always plays up on that regard. So uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, my number 10 running back in this year's class. Uh, let's get to wide receivers. I'm going to have to go faster. I am uh, – yeah, I, I need to go faster to get through all these guys uh, if I'm going to get to everything I want to get to. All right, wide receivers uh, for the 2020 NFL Draft. Jerry Judy is number one. Is it close? Yeah, it's close. There's a lot of talent. This is where you need an identity as a football team. Um, everything you need, I'm taking a sip of delicious coffee as we speak. That's a good thing about podcasts. You guys don't care, right? I'm doing the radio show. I can't like, yeah. If I cough or you know anything like, like, if there were any things like that, I can't take a sip of water or in this case, my case, my delicious Dutch Bros iced coffee. No, they're not a sponsor of the podcast, but they should be because they're damn delicious, and I love some freebies. But um, on radio, I can't do that kind of stuff. Like they, ooh, they're so mm, bitchy about it. Um. Jerry Judy wide receiver. So I have fallen in love with, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'll say eight of my 10, my top 10 at one point or another, I have completely and utterly fallen in love with at the wide receiver position. Now this isn't, it's not great. Because wide receivers have a very, they're the most dependent position in all of football. And we've seen in years past where you know, early round tight ends do not work out to the way we would hope they would be. As a matter of fact, when you're examining the tight end position over the last five years, which I did over at fantasyguru.com, by the way, um, there's 17 wide receivers taken in the first round. All right. 22 in the second round, 21 in the third round over the last five years. Do you know what the bust rate is for those first-round wide receivers? Only three I would consider stud wideouts over the last five years. Nine of those 17 failed miserably. Five of them are in the middle. Of those 17, nine out of 17 busted out completely. The second-rounders of those uh, 22 Taking the second round, eight of the 22, over a third, busted out, were failures. The third rounders of the 21 wide receivers taken in the third round over the last five years, 14, two-thirds, busted. That's, that's no, uh, no bueno, everybody. So this is a great class, no question about it, right? There is no question about it. But we are going, if if we're going to project these guys for fantasy or want to project them for their careers or in dynasty drafts, best ball or what have you, we really have to see where they wind up, who fits in the best spot. Because ultimately that's what's going to decide. You need a wide receiver that has good relationship with his quarterback that fits in the offense, obviously for player props, for fantasy purposes, like I talked about Tampa Bay to start the show, we kind of want a, a, a bad defense, don't we? Want a bad defense, and team's going to have to be passing a lot. That's what we really want, especially for a rookie, because rookie wide receivers, normally 
rookie wide receivers take a while. Um, young wide receivers used to be three years to before they uh, would pop and they would develop. You know, it, was, it used to be the third year wide receiver rule. And that doesn't happen anymore because we're forcing the action a lot more. Let's get into it, though. Jerry Judy, number one, just polished. Jerry Judy's one of those guys. If uh, I, I don't mean to upset anybody, but I'll tell you, if you watch practices, if you watch individual workouts and drills, and if you don't have the appreciate, if your body doesn't like ache watching a really good route runner, then you're probably, you're not a talent evaluator for football. I don't know if it's because I played the quarterback position my entire life. I don't know if it's because I, I under, I actually, I don't know. Did I tell the story in this podcast? They moved me to receiver. They tried to, when I didn't make, uh, I didn't get the starting job my sophomore year and I ended up quitting the team like a giant pussy. Uh, but they moved me to wide receiver and I did not have, I had size for it. I was six, three. Uh, and, but I couldn't, couldn't make breaks. I mean, I was slow, slow. I had good hands. I could slow though. I had a, maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's just my history, but I watch Antonio Brown run a route and it's like my soul is like, Oh, that's so beautiful. It's what other people feel about like art or something. They see a painting. They're like, that's beautiful. I feel the way about wide receivers running the routes and Jerry Judy has that element. It's fluid. It's quick. It's just natural, right? It's just crisp and sharp and all the words you want to use. He just gets it. He seems to know exactly where to be depending on the coverage as well, you know, and not afraid to pick up in college. A lot of yards after the catch. A lot of broken tackles trying to pick up yards afterwards. I don't know if that's going to work because he measured a little smaller than I thought. 6'1", 193. Still nine and a half inch hands, which are fine. 32 and an eighth arms, which is good. 35 inch vertical, which I think is very important for him. That vertical leap. We'd love to have seen more out of him there, but just a real polished player he is like he's never gonna have the hands of deandre hopkins but he's the same height he runs those same good routes and just seems to know where to break them off how to sharpen the route he that's i guess the word just sharp you know everything's fluid with coverages zones aren't not every zone or man coverage is built the same jerry judy at the college level just seems to grasp that and we'll come over the most impressive I, I've seen out of him a couple times is when he would sit back and wait for Tua to make moves with his legs, sit in a spot that he knew coverage. He would stand in a, stand at a spot where he knew they were rolling usually to the left-hand side. He'd see those uh, that, that safety roll over, but Tua worried about him moving or trying to come up to block a screen pass. Judy would just sit in this spot, know exactly where to be, was patient, and Tua would find him to his credit. It's impressive, man. I got to tell you, that that stuff is impressive to me because it, you don't see that out of every college receiver. So uh, Jerry Judy's my number one. I have CeeDee Lamb second. And CeeDee Lamb, everyone's excited about. The Arizona Cardinals want 
or I should say Kyler Murray wants to draft him. They played together at Oklahoma, but I'll say this. If he goes to Arizona, be one of the worst fits ever because how are you going to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, anything for Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, and C.D. Lamp? Like, there's no way. There's just no way. So I don't love that fit at all. Um, 6'2", 195, 4'5", 40-yard dash. I thought he was faster. Be quite honest with you, I thought C.D. Lamb would be one of those, you know, sort of a distant sprinter, and I, I think his time is better going down the field in those routes. So I I have him second playmaker, take it to the house type, right? Can be that Randy Moss getting that the the deep play, catching the ball, high points the ball, and. It, incredibly well right great ball tracking ability down the field as well um you know just just a i don't know what it is about lamb versus t higgins t higgins is my third guy and i've been going back and forth those have been following my work at fantasyguru.com i've been back and forth on both these guys the entire duration i can't explain why people give cd lamb all the breaks and they don't give it to T Higgins. T Higgins is bet bigger. Um, you know the I think that they have the same exact skill set with T Higgins being you know just that much more bigger and stronger, quite honestly, and longer arms as well. Um, just could both dominate down the field. I think that's ultimately what I like and. Whichever offense each of those guys fit into, you know, Jerry Judy's the chain mover. He has a chance to be that constant force. Like I said, he is the, Judy could be DeAndre Hopkins. These other two guys, you know, they're going to be eh, John Brown. No, that's not fair. Um, down the, not, not Hilton, not Brown, because they got more size. Um, it's a, it's a hard comparison. I, I guess, yeah, I want to say Juju Smith-Schuster. I, yeah, I think Juju's a good comparison. I, I think that's probably the best fit for either one of these guys, being a complementary wide receiver, a down-the-field deep threat that could just make big plays both during the catch and after the catch. Um, I think that's the best place for both of them because I'm not sure any one of them will command – double coverage and bracket coverage. I don't know if they've got the tools to beat him. If anybody, it's T Higgins. So those two are very close two and three on, on uh, my board as well. Um, I, I love, I love what Clemson does. I love Oklahoma wide receivers a bit too, but they're very unpolished. They just go fast and, or I'm sorry, they go fast and far. So hmm. Justin Jefferson's fourth and I love him. Oh boy. Did I, I've had Justin Jefferson as high as number two behind Jerry Judy before. Really, really like this kid as well. He measured a lot smaller than I thought. He ran better than I thought. Vertical leap makes up for the lack of height at 37.5. But, um, you know, still constantly making the tough catches, making the big plays, third down pass catcher. You know, I, I love that about him. Just has great concentration, does not drop footballs. 
you know, and uses his hands to catch, doesn't need his body. He's worked from all three spots on the outsides. He's worked in the slot quite a bit and, you know, will motion and likes to talk to the quarterback to when he has favorable coverage, suggesting a much higher football IQ than we probably would have thought of. Um, so I, I like a lot of things about Justin Jefferson. I did wish he, he measured out a little bit better, but um, he'd make the acrobatic catches as well. I, I, the tape on Justin Jefferson is really good. When you isolate him, I mean, it's what makes LSU such a great, such one of the greatest football teams of all time. You start, I am so impressed with some of these guys on LSU when you step aside and, and single them out. Uh, Joe Burrow, we've talked about. Justin Jefferson's another one. Uh, um, the center, uh, Cushionberry. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, man. I mean, th- these guys are very, very good. And Damian Lewis, for crying out loud, interior offensive lineman. Just, inc- just great at doing their job. And, uh, and Jefferson's going to be a good one. He's going to play in the league for a long time. My number five will surprise you. <sighs> Chase Claypool of Notre Dame. I think Chase Claypool is Marvin Jones. And you may say, come NFL draft time, everybody wants to be Randy Moss. Everybody wants to be Julio Jones. Everybody wants to be Antonio Brown, have that kind of career. Marvin Jones, pretty goddamn good. All right, he's pretty damn good. And Claypool is right up there, man. Notre Dame's just so shitty quarterback play over the last couple of years and never heard him bitch, never heard him complain. Very, very smart kid. 4-4-2-40, 40.5 vertical, 9 and 7 8 in hands. Are you freaking kidding me? This kid has every tool you could imagine. I am so bullish on Claypool. It's not even funny. Just need him to go somewhere with a, a polished quarterback. Oh, could you imagine him with Aaron Rodgers? Could you imagine him in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers? Some, something like that would just be absolutely tremendous fit for him. Just uh, He's a hard worker. He's developed. A lot of people talking about, well, maybe he's a tight end. He worked so hard. Uh, even it was like a week ago because his weight, 235. A lot of people were saying, well, 6'4", 235 should be a tight end. And he was tight end when he first came in. He ran a 4'4", 2 with a 40.5-inch vertical. He's not going to be a tight end. He's a matchup nightmare on the outside for any team in the National Football League, right? He, he His work, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I've seen a lot. I've seen this kid make strides and earn things, back shoulder plays, selling the back shoulder plays, shielding defenders out with his body, learning how to use his body over the last couple of years. He has done amazing at tracking the football down the field. Very, very good. He, he just does everything. I think I cannot imagine an organization not loving this kid. Tape is phenomenal. Sells the run, sells running plays. He blocks well from the wide receiver spot, not in line. Okay. Um, Everything. He's not a big guy that's afraid of contact either or a big guy that shies away from catching the football in traffic. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So uh, I think people will say 
he doesn't have the real downfield game-breaking speed and ability because we didn't see a lot of that. But I didn't, uh, 4-4-2 suggests otherwise. It really does. And when you have that kind of nightmare, he's coachable also. So, yeah, man, I'm very in on Chase Claypool. He's number five. Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is getting so much hype right now, everybody, coming uh, um, coming into this draft. It's, it's pretty wild. I have him sixth on my board. People are moving him up every time I see different rankings and different people talk. Um, 6'3", 210-pound senior from Baylor University. You know, Baylor – Wide receivers, we know about them. They don't run the route tree. They're they through they run three routes. That's about it. I didn't like his hands. I I have so I've been reading and and listening to people talk up Mims over last week. I had in my notes and what I watched that I didn't trust his hands. Okay, so I've gone back and tried to watch through some stuff. Maybe I was a little critical. But I don't think so. I don't – I – he doesn't have the concentration you'd like to see. Like Claypool watched the ball into his hands. Um, same with Jerry Judy. These guys are constantly focused on the football, whereas Mims is wanting to do other things with it. At the NFL level, when you got corners all up in your grill, you don't have those luxuries of worrying about your next move and this move. And he doesn't get his hands out in time either. So I don't, I don't trust Mims as much. All right. He's much more of a project wide receiver where we've got some guys who are coming in that can immediately contribute. Whereas Mims, I think it's going to take some time. Uh, number seven, Devin Duvernay. Ooh, boy, I like him too. This is one of my other guys that I have fallen in love with. I've, I've been moving Duvernay up and down and up and down. And, you know, he's 5'11", okay? And I don't usually like 205 pounds. I don't usually love undersized college wide receivers. But DuVernay, um, all-world recruit, top five recruit, one of those situations where he had his uh, – ah, shit. Well, I forget what school it was, but wherever he was supposed to go to school, he had his letter of intent pulled because they fired that coach. Wasn't it Baylor? I think it was Baylor. And um, shit, you'd almost think I should, uh, you know, I have a computer in front of me. Maybe I should look it up. Nah, I don't care. You guys know him. Um, but he, again, incredibly well-polished route runner, incredibly good hands, and should have been a college standout and was supposed to be a college standout. But again, got his letter of intent pulled. He ended up going to Texas, played, you know, very poor quarterback play over there. But, you know, a guy who was incredibly productive all three seasons over there, he led the nation in um, receptions as well, 106 receptions, 1,386 yards, nine touchdowns. I mean, he's, by the way, Duvernay, He's a cousin of Kyler Murray. That's another thing. I mean, there's a lot here with this kid. And um, very, very fast. Ran a 4.39 in that. I'm sorry. He measured 5.10. I had 5.11 written down. I'm not sure which one I said to you just moments ago. But one of those players that looks like a running back and will make 
people missing the open field. Um, I was talking about him on the Sirius XM show. What I, what I want Duvernay, where I want him to go, I want him to go to a spot. I'm going to put Green Bay out there as well with a quarterback that wants to throw the slant. Why do I want that? Well, he's an undersized guy. He's got great speed. His speed is with the ball in his hand. See, there, there's guys who are fast the 40-yard dash. or guys who are fast running their routes. or guys who are fast down the field. This guy's fast with the ball in his hand, okay? And I, he's got that, that quick twitch ability, the speed out of the gate to get past the linebacker, catch the ball underneath the safety, and make everybody miss and take it to the house. I'm telling you, if I draft Devin Duvernay, this guy is going to come in. He's my slot-wide receiver. I'm going to have my quarterback work with him every freaking day, and he's going to run that slant, run that slant, quick ins, slants, even a quick out, you know, a twitch route where you one of those out, uh, they call it a show out, where you, you know, run your route, you go to the out or dig, show dig, I guess they uh, show out back in my day. Now they call everything different, but digs. Get out, but you're not going all the way. You break off that route. It hits you there, and he cuts it back in. That play, I'm going to feature that all day with this guy. I'm telling you, folks, he is going to make big-ass plays. All right? Don't look at 439 and think, okay, the only problem I have with Duvernay is I wasn't sure on the down the field. I didn't see him track the football. Right, everything was in front of him. Um, like the slants were the best routes, the digs were good routes. Uh, those I did see some long, deep posts and thing. Um, I saw that, but I didn't see like fly routes, go routes where he's tracking the ball or jumping up and going to get it. That that's not how, how he's going to be. So I'm not sure about ball tracking ability. I, I called it below average. Could be, it could be average, could be better. Just didn't see enough of it personally. But uh, I, I like the kid a lot. I really do. And, oh, man, if he gets in one of those situations. That's a guy that would be great with Tom Brady. See, that's what, like, a, a quarterback like Brady and Phillip Rivers need at this stage of their career where their arm strength isn't there. Just throw a seven-yard in. You know, do that quick slant. Get open quick. Let, let the – Sell the linebacker on a blitz. Catch the linebacker in a blitz. And just get that ball out, pop, right to him underneath the safety, and it's one-on-one with the safety. I want that all day, every day for a guy like Devin Duvernay. Hey, rhymes. What do you know? Um, So there you go. He's seventh. Michael Pittman Jr., he is the eighth guy that I loved at one point or another on this wide receiver list. Pittman's big, strong, got the uh, bloodline, obviously, um, with his dad playing in the league. I like Michael Pittman Jr. a great deal. Um, was it uh, – it was the senior bowl. Didn't show as well as I had hoped, all right, in, in, uh, in uh, the senior bowl. I thought we'd see more out of him. Some coaches came away saying they liked him more. Some didn't. So 6'4", 223, though. Very hard to miss. Very polished athlete. You can tell he's played the position for a long time. He's been a football player for a long time. Does I feel he's a little bit lazier though? When doesn't sell. One of the things I look for at college 
at all positions is you have to hit every play as if you are the target, you are the man, you are whatever. You have to sell your play because you never know when it's going to come back to you. And that's where Pittman takes a lot of plays off, in my opinion. Don't want to call him lazy because then I've seen him block. I've seen him do good things there too. Uh, I really have. But I – when he's not getting the ball or he's not a primary read, it felt like he kind of, you know, blah, didn't, didn't give it all as all. So I wonder about that. And um, we've seen that with form, you know, kids of former athletes as well, where they just don't have the same demeanor and same drive that others do. Definitely has all the measurables. Henry Ruggs, the third is ninth. You guys could have Henry Ruggs, the third. I like him because of how fast he is. But y'all are going out of your mind. He's going to be a first-round pick. <laughs> Again, I don't think everything – what they did in college is not everything, okay? But it is something. And Ruggs was just not a factor at University of Alabama. He just wasn't. Um, but then he ran He ran the 4.27 and gets a 42-inch vertical, and he is all-world player. He's not tall. He's, he's super fast. Um, hands measure up 10 and an eighth. I like that about him, but he, he's not a every down target, meaning you want a home run with him. You don't, he's not going to be a hundred plus yard or hundred plus reception type guy. Can't catch that many balls. You know, um, I think he's, doesn't track the ball as well as I'd like to see as well. There are times where uh, um, Tua, you know, had him wide damn open, threw a pretty good ball, and a couple times Rugs would run over the throw a couple times. I saw him break off. I, I remember one specifically where uh, the playoff game, second to last playoff game, um, shit, whatever, whoever they played. Was Ohio State? Whatever where he seemed to, like, run. They, they threw it deep, like it was a go route, and he has this guy beat by a mile, and he breaks it in like he was running a deep post or something. And it was just a broken play that uh, was big, but didn't who the hell did they play? Did they play Clemson the first? No, they didn't. I, got I can't remember. I looked that one up. But <sighs> doesn't track the ball as well as I would like. Uh, doesn't really want to mix it up at all and anything contested. And that's going to be hard for a guy who's undersized and is fast when you're undersized and super fast and you don't like contested catches and you don't like traffic and catching in traffic. That's a problem. That's a real problem. So I have a ninth on my board. There's plenty there to work with from a draftable standpoint, but I'm not going to make him my first round pick. I mean, that's, I mean, Henry Ruggs is this year's Corey Coleman, Philip Dorsett. You know, that, that's what it is. It's just a hype guy. Finally, 10th on my wide receiver, and I keep promising you guys I will go faster, and then I dive into more detail. Um, small school kid, Antonio Gandy Golden. The Gandy man can. Who is 6'4", 223. Has 32-inch arms and a reach of 
The Candyman. The Candyman can. I like this kid from small school at Liberty University. Uh, I really, really like him. I think he has a chance. He's going to be a later round pick. You know, he's got the size. He is, I talk Randy Moss. If you could put Henry Ruggs's, Ruggs's uh, speed into Antonio Gandy Golden's body and brain, let's be honest, holy crap. That's an elite level. That's Randy Moss. That's exactly what it is. But um, I, I like him a lot. Just a natural ball catcher. High points, everything. When you have a 36-inch vertical and you're 6'4", 220, and you're not afraid to catch the ball in any kind of traffic, actually invited contact. Now, sometimes you see a guy from school like Liberty and they're playing random schools, and you're like, oh, this guy just is bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else on the field. And at times I strongly felt that. But he didn't mind getting popped, didn't mind getting contact, caught the ball, held onto the ball while getting contacted, you know. And it is uh, – it just – I see him catch so many jump balls, shielding defenders away, high-pointing that uh, I'm very impressed. He's no problems running after the catch as well. Um, so, Gandy Golden – one of my favorite smaller school wide receivers in this draft class. All right. How am I doing on time? I'm over an hour and I've gotten to two positions. Holy shitola. Okay. Let, let me get to the tight end spot. Um, Cause I do want to give my overall offensive rankings tight end. It's the, I don't like tight ends this year. Alberto Okua Bunum, uh, from Missouri is my favorite. Bryson Hopkins, Hunter Bryant, Colby Parkinson. Parkinson's one of those guys I think will play in the league. If he gets in the right situation, uh, he'll be he could be Jimmy Graham. Or he can be Kobe Fleener. That's the variation with Kobe Parkinson. I think Albert O is that one guy that could be a difference maker. And for fantasy purposes, probably not a three-down tight end because he can't block worth a shit. But um, still learning the position incredibly fast. Big frame, huge wingspan, can post up even linebackers if need be. Definitely safeties. That's where I'm at with that. Um, Hunter Bryant, or Hopkins Bryant, Kobe Parkinson, Komet from Notre Dame, Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic, Adam Troutman from Dayton uh, up there at seven. I don't like him as much as other people do. Uh, Josiah Diggeru from Cincinnati. That's another guy who stood out. Um, he stood out uh, when I was watching the Mike Warren film from Cincinnati that I thought was interesting. Uh, Devin Assisi from UCLA and Dalton Keene. Those are my rankings at tight end. Offensive tackles. Now, offensive linemen are more important they are more impactful. Rookie offensive linemen are more impactful than quarterbacks and wide, wide receivers and tight ends for fantasy purposes. That's right. You, you heard it. They are more impactful than even quarterbacks for the rookie season. Well, Kyler Murray did well last year. Yeah, he did. He had a good year. 
yeah, I'll give it to it. And I was not Kyler Murray. I was totally wrong on him last year. It's fine. But when you get an elite level offensive lineman, they come into the league, they make such a difference to the offense. They free up space. They give time to the quarterback leads to more production from running backs and tight ends and, or I'm sorry, wide receivers and tight ends and obviously clears room for running backs. So the ones I think are the best off best offensive tackle is Mackie Becton. Now he had a, a negative drug test. Evidently um, news came out last week about that. I, personally, let's make sure like, what is it? it? You know, nobody said what kind of drug, if it's weed, I'm sorry, but I don't care if it's a supplement. I definitely don't give a shit. If it's something worse, if dude's doing meth or crack or Coke, then I'm going to have a problem. Okay, then I flag it a little bit because Jedrick Wills uh, from Alabama is a very, 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 very good option. I have no problem. Either one of those guys, those two players are going to make immediate impact in the National Football League. I am super excited about Becton and Wills. I really am. I think there's just no downside unless there's a character issue. Becton specifically man i have him at number one while wills is second but just because becton has that he's 370 at 67 and he still ran a 5140 good feet footwork um sometimes breaks leverage and, and it, when he's reaching, because he's got such a great wingspan, he has tremendous natural instincts to keep defenders away. He doesn't let them get to his body and bull rush him. That is so important when you're talking about offensive tackles, especially young offensive tackles, because I've been to so many training camps and so many first weeks of training camps where they're working with the offensive line and constantly letting – the bull rush get to them and knock them over or take them off off balance. That is what deep, especially edge rushers at the NFL level, that's what they want to do. They bull rush you. They want to get inside of your arms and get you off balance and just knock you down, make you look like Humpty Dumpty. And when you're six seven, three seventy like Becton, it's exactly what they're going to do. And I think he's got natural ability to use those clubs that he has his hands and keep people away. Jedrick Wills is just polished, polished. He starts day one at left tackle, and you could forget about it. Uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Iowa's a pretty good track record if you ignore Robert Gallery at developing offensive linemen in the league. Kirk Ferentz, one of the best college coaches at doing so, but uh, just, just a, a great kid, very coachable, very smart, got extreme power. Um, everything, you want to, everything you want to see. Um, from Tristan Wirfs. Andrew Thomas of Georgia, I mentioned with those Georgia running backs before that a lot of it had to do with the likes of Thomas. I have Isaiah Wilson up there too, both Georgia tackles for crying out loud. Um, I'm very, very high on. I have Thomas fourth. Where do I have Wilson? I had Wilson seventh. <laughs> Dolphins tackle spot. Uh, Josh Jones from Houston, Another great guy. I think that those top five are all all pro-level NFL players. Now, the odds, the mere math will tell you one of them will fail, if not two of them. And 
does Becton have the best chance of failing because A, drug test, B, he's the most fattest, you know, and smaller school guy? Yeah, he probably does. But I can he also could be destined for the Hall of Fame. He's that kind of good. So it's a more of a risk. If you didn't want to take the risk, Will's worse. Even Thomas probably had, but I've backed him as number back 10 as number one. Then you get into some of the projects and Matt Pert uh, from UConn, like him, talked about he's the guy who's six seven three ten. He doesn't have quite as much strength as Becton does where he's good at keeping his arm a distance, but can be bull rushed 100%. I saw that on the tape. Um, you know, very keeps his hand much lower than you want out of uh, a guy who's six, seven. He, I think he plays down to his opponent almost, and he's got to learn to pick his head and shoulders up at more times. But, um, I like uh, Matt Pert. He is sixth. Isaiah Wilson of Georgia seventh. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State uh, kind of happened upon him. I uh, really like his tape as well. Another guy that's just always always doing what is necessary, can pull, has the athletic ability to tackle to move around to, you know, like I said, he could work in his own scheme. He's misdirecting rusher, pass rushers all the time, has enough strength to get out in front and move his uh his the defense linebacker or defensive lineman in the run game as well so um yeah Ezra Cleveland from Boise State Lucas Nyang from TCU Robert Hunt small school guy sleeper if you will from Louisa Louisiana Lafayette that's right we did a we did our homework boys and girls that's right your your boy is definitely did not take a lot of time off during this COVID-19. I'm bringing you sleeper offensive tackles from Louisiana Lafayette University and Robert Hunt. My favorite guards and centers, uh, man, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan and Lloyd Cushenberry. I think Cushenberry is a guy, wherever he goes, I would, I would almost love to see him well, with Joe Burrow. It would be nice, but um, with a young quarterback. Because this is – he's Jeff Saturday. That's what Lloyd Cushenberry is. He – is smart. He knows defenses. He knows what defenses are trying to do. He understands where pressure is coming from. And he's a guy that's going to help his quarterback out. He's just a very, very smart guy. Cesar Ruiz is just a beast in the middle. I wouldn't play Ruiz at center, but that's probably where he's going to start out. Um, Christian Berry definitely is center. For me, oh, almost held in the sneeze there. Uh, John Simpson from Clemson, love him. Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, love him as well. Um, uh, Tyler Biedese from uh, Biedze is from Wisconsin. Uh, can't say his name, but liked him a lot. Like Damian Lewis from LSU. Uh, Matt Hennessy, Brandon Bredson, Nitani Muti from Fresno State, I do like as well. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, I have in my notes here, Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette probably plays inside at the next level. I think he could play tackle. But I have a feeling that they are going to move him uh, to the inside there as well. All right, so we made it through all the offensive positions. I don't want to make this crazy long. Remember, our coverage, if you want to ask me any questions, and please do, 
please put me on the spot. Please ask me follow-ups. I, I, I have so much information inside of my soul right now. I was telling my producer on Sirius XM, Phil Backert, I've forgotten baseball already. Like, it's just amazing how I spent all this time preparing for the baseball season, and then I go into NFL draft mode, and everything is gone. All I have is so much information on these NFL draft prospects right now. And it's the most difficult thing for me is to get it all out to you in ways that you could absorb it. And I hope I'm doing a good job of that. But if not, if there's individual things you want to know or hear me say or talk about, whatever it is, or thoughts you have, share ideas and opinions, hit me up at Jeff underscore Mans. Go into our chat room 24-7, fantasyguru.com, right there for you. Join us, live chat room, live stream, fanlinksports.com, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time to 11 p.m. Eastern time. And on Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time on those sites and on fanlinksports.com. And remember, Mike Dempsey uh, going to be joining us. Uh, he's the pre and post, pre-game and post-game show uh, uh, host of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he'll, we'll have a unique insight into what the Jaguars are doing. I think they have 16 picks or some crazy amount of picks in the 2020 NFL draft. And who knows, they may be moving Leonard Fournette, maybe Yannick Nagakwe as well. So we'll get some insights there from Mike Dempsey, the man himself, our entire team at Fantasy Guru will be there. But uh, we have the 24-7 chat room at fantasyguru.com. So go in there, drop me a note, drop me a message, and, uh, and let me know what you're thinking. Here's my overall offensive rankings. This is what I, th- this is how I grade out just the overall grade on each of these players. I have Joe Burrow, number one. I've talked about Burrow on the previous podcast. I don't want to spend a ton of time on any more quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if he's going to have the best career of all these quarterbacks. He has the best chance to, if he, if 2019 was for real, he is going to be a superstar and a franchise quarterback. He played flawlessly this year, and you don't see that very often. And um, he did it at a professional-type level. Mackie Becton is my second-best offensive player in this draft. That's how high I am on him. I do have Jedrick Wills from Alabama, third. I have Jerry Judy from Alabama, fourth. Jordan Love of Utah State, we know I love love. If he goes to New England, Belichick get his Patrick Mahomes. Oof, could be unbelievable. I like Jordan Love a lot. He is fifth. Tristan Wirfs, sixth. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, seventh. Jonathan Taylor, eighth. Andrew Thomas of Georgia, ninth on this list. Um, CeeDee Lamb, Oklahoma, 10th. Justin Herbert from Oregon, 11th. Cam Akers, 12th from Florida State. Josh Jones. From Houston, that's right, that's right. He is actually 13th on my list. Uh, I love the, I love offensive tackles. DeAndre Swift, 14th. Tua, 15th. Cushionberry, 16th. Edwards Hilaire, 17th. T Higgins, 18th. Justin Jefferson, 19th. Jake Fromm, 20th. Fromm has moved up. Great Wonderlick test out of him. And if you want to do yourself a favor, Google Jake Fromm's mom. Good. Lord Almighty, you know you're getting old when the mothers of these athletes that you cover are uh, 
piquing your interest, so to speak. Folks, that's going to do it for episode 13 of One Man's Opinion. Again, I cannot express to you how much I appreciate all the support around this podcast. Um, we are going to have fun. We're going to talk. We'll have more fun in the days or weeks ahead. I wanted to, to vote these couple podcasts, though, to football, to the NFL, to get our minds back on sports. We're going to mix it up. I still want to talk. I still got tons of stories to tell you. I got to tell you the St. Louis story, the three guns story. Um, there's a couple that I'm debating whether even to ever say or not, but I think I'll tell you my mafia story. Uh, not elite mafia either. Chicago mafia. I will talk about that a little bit in the podcast in the days and weeks ahead. We'll have some great guests on. We'll do some post-NFL draft stuff. We'll uh, check back in into quarantine life as well the further we go on. So uh, what I would ask of all of you, if you're listening, if you're enjoying, downloading, commenting, all that, I appreciate you so much. Please tell a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a relative, or whatever about the podcast. Uh, obviously, we want to get this as popular as humanly possible. And we want to, um, you know, spread the word, so to speak, and get this out there to as many people as possible. And the more we do that, the, the more episodes I can record, the more guests I'll be able to get, and more engaged we can get you guys during the show. So there you guys go. Episode 13 in the books. I promise it won't be unlucky for you. I was born on the 13th. Are you kidding me? Folks, that will do it for this episode. You may disagree, and that's okay. Why? Because it's just one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!